Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the Inside Try Show with Helen Murray. This is the podcast that takes a deeper look at the sport with in-depth interviews and special episodes to keep you entertained and inspired while you're training. All right, and we're off. Let's go. Hello and welcome to episode 167 of the Inside Try Show, sponsored by Prescott Sportswear, the world's first climate-positive sportswear brand. I'm Helen Murray, and each week on the Inside Try Show, I bring you awesome interviews from triathlon and beyond. This week, you are going to hear from Laura Massey-Pugh. You might, you might have caught her very briefly back in the summer of 2022 because she sent an audio message as she was about to be setting off with her husband Stevie around the world on their tandem and they were going to be chasing the world record for the fastest time so if maybe you think your you know 45 hour long turbo session maybe a couple of hours is mentally tough at the moment it'll give you something to think about and last week I mentioned by the way about a listener getting their hands on a pair of form swim goggles so Here's the plan. All current patrons are going to go into a draw to win a pair in the first week of March. Might be to celebrate a bit of a birthday. The details are going to be on social media, so at Inside Try Show, on February the 27th of 2023. So keep your eyes peeled. And of course, if you want to support the podcast and sign up to be a patron, you can. It is patreon.com forward slash Inside Try Show. Kerry Diochenvaur, thank you very much, by the way, for signing up as a patron. It is very kind of you and it is much appreciated. So this week's episode is brought to you by PrescottSportswear.com, sustainable sportswear. If you are looking for any new kit, go and have a look at Prescott because if you're getting new kit, you're actually also doing something good for the environment as well. And Prescott are offering 15% off just head over to prescasportswear.com, use the code InsideTry15. It's valid until the end of March 2023, and it's one use per customer on everything apart from heel jerseys. A few bits of your news, I guess, what you've been saying about some recent episodes. We will do 
what you've been up to training wise what I've been up to training wise after the interview but kicking off it is a bit of a get well soon actually to Stephen uh, who has had a really horrible sounding crash on his mountain bike so Stephen I hope you're doing okay and you asked for a few inspirational people and I think you're going to find some of those inspiring over the next few weeks Ben as well I hope your rehab is going well and thanks for your message you got in touch about the Leon Chevalier episode and you said I was pretty surprised, actually, that he didn't seem too keen on the Nice course over Kona for the world champs. Surely he has to be one of the top favourites on that Nice course. And then on the latest one with Dave Tonge, you said it was a great listen. I'm glad you enjoyed the pool session. It's not something I've tried, but I'm definitely tempted. It could be really, really beneficial. Ben, it is. (laughs) Seeing yourself in the mirror while you swim. Absolute, absolute game changer. Daniel, you said about Eloise Dudois, actually, who was on about six or so months ago. You said, such a calming, calm and collected lady. She came across very humbly. Molly, you simply said uh, from the Dave Tonge stuff, the swimming thing, you saw a video of me swimming and you said, OMG, where is this swimming costume from? I love it. Molly, it's a Speedo one. And John, you said about Dave Tonge, this was so good. Dave sounds awesome. And the chat with Alex Popham in particular rang true for me. Almost a year on after a traumatic brain injury, I'm still learning about it and the lasting effect it'll have on me. And I know as well that my mum found that swimming episode very, very interesting. Time for this week's interview. So in 2022, vet Laura Massey-Pugh and her husband Stevie cycled around the world on a tandem in 180 days, 83 days faster than the previous record. You're going to discover where the idea came from. You're going to find out how to plan such an adventure, why fast food played a big part and what it's really like. This is a question we would all be asking, right? What is it really like staring at someone else's backside day in, day out for six months? Laura Massey-Pew, welcome to the Inside Try Show. Laura, how are you going? Because we haven't spoken actually but you sent me a message and we put it out on the podcast and that was in summer of 2022 and you and your husband Stevie were about to set off on a record-breaking attempt uh, of cycling around the globe on a tandem and you're you're back (laughs) so I guess there's quite a bit to fill us in on (laughs) yeah first step we made it back yeah wow it's no it's been epic um yeah we're just trying to get like settled back into normality and everything but yeah it seems a million years ago since like I first sent you that message when I was kind of um (laughs) listening to all the podcasts because we were into training and everything so yeah it's um it's been a big adventure (laughs) yeah where I know you you were both into cycling lots of audaxing where does the idea come from to then go, oh, let's see if we could cycle around the world. Not just that, <laughs> let's see if we can actually break a record at the same time. Yeah, I mean, tandeming had been our thing anyway. We both ride solar bikes as well. But yeah, particularly like on the Audax scene and some of the ultras and stuff, we kind of started taking the tandem. Um, and then we saw the females set their record in 2020, like right before lockdown. And we looked at what they did and, you know, they're pretty good club cyclists and they set this amazing record. And we looked and went, wow. And then we were like, oh, I wonder how fast we could do it in. 
and it kind of spiraled all out of all control from there essentially Steve didn't say no quickly enough <laughs> were you the one who put the idea out there of round the world yeah it was probably me to be honest yeah I don't think Steve <laughs> would have would have been that, that cocky by himself but yeah I think I started kind of hinting and mentioning it and that summer um we actually rode Land's End to John O'Groats on the tandem and we kind of did that pretty fast so it's kind of like I wonder how long we could keep this up for I wonder how long this is sustainable for and yeah after that it just yeah spiraled out of all control as I say and yeah because <laughs> Steve didn't say no then we kind of got going with it and it was, it was one of those things lockdown and everything it's kind of like if not now when you know you, you've got to take opportunities when you can get them oh I have a million questions like okay I do I do want to know right when when was the first time you actually got on a tandem and was it with with Steve yes it was so he'd, he'd got the tandem already so he was quite a proficient tandem rider um and we'd already done some solo right and I like I'd always been a commuter I'd never really got into like the sporty side of cycling but he was kind of getting me there I and mean, we'd done um like the Ride London a few bits and bobs and then yeah we got on the tandem and I was terrified on the back because suddenly you're on a bike you can't steer you can't see where you're going you haven't got any brakes you haven't got any control so I actually I actually think tandems are sometimes easier for people that aren't used to riding than those that used to actually steering their own bicycle so yeah um he got me on the tandem first of all and after my complete meltdown the first time yeah I kind of sucked it up a bit and we got into it more and more from there and it's great because he's a much faster rider than me so if we're out on an event together rather than him kind of slowing down or kind of taking a heavier bike or something it means we can stick together a lot easier are there any times that you actually you would just prefer to be on separate bikes (laughs) I think there are a few around the world yeah (laughs) but um yeah, well, I mean, we do ride solos as well. So, yeah, we've always kind of mixed it up up till the Round the World Challenge. Um, mm. We would mix it up quite a lot. And, you know, even like the training for that, we are still going out separately on solos. So um, I don't think we'd ever choose one over the other. But, yeah, the, <laughs> the Round the World, it was the commitment to that challenge, the commitment to getting that record and kind of making our our target that it was like well we've just got to suck it up we've got to work as a team we've got to get through this together otherwise it ain't happening and logistics wise with a tandem do you always have the stronger rider at the front could the could the weaker rider ever go at the front or is it always you have the the one at the front and then you have the stoker I think for this sort of challenger trip I mean the weight on the front is massive because we've got the front panniers as well the bike's massively heavy um it was like over 50 kilos with all the kit on it um so yeah for me to be able to like physically hold that and steer on the front would have just been yeah so I think yeah you know some situations you know you could switch things about but for us yeah it was always going to be and I don't think he'd have ever relinquished that control I don't think he'd have been a very good backseat rider as it were and uh, be honest right what is it like staring at someone else's backside for I mean literally months <laughs> on end Laura yeah oh wow um and yeah it's it gets to the point where like when we got out of Asia and he put on like a windproof for the first time I'm like oh the view's changed 
but it, it does mean you can kind of look around a bit more so you, you do get you do get a different view because you can look side to side more than being focused on the road and having to read the road and look for potholes and things like that so you do get a different view but yeah essentially you are staring at somebody's lower back for a long time <laughs> And do you, again, for someone who's who's not been on a tandem before, do you always have to ride at the pace of that front person? Are they dictating the 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 power the the pace? Yeah. So there's a, a well a timing chain. In our case, it was a timing belt. It's a belt drive okay. that links the front pedals to the back pedals. So you are always in sync, which is another weird thing to get used to because if you ride at a slightly different cadence I don't really have a choice I have to go with what Steve's doing and kind of ride at his cadence and equally you know stopping starting you need to be quite synchronized about that you can't go crunching through the gears so I need to know when to take the weight off the pedals when he's you know making changes and things like that so yeah you've, you've got to be pretty in sync and I think being on the back you've got to be kind of ready to adapt your ride style a bit too. And then we, I want to come on to the um, the record attempt and a bit more about that. But just one other thing about riding on a tandem. I, I mean, I've done a fair bit of cycle touring with my husband, but we're always separate on, on bikes. We haven't done it um, as a tandem. And honestly, there could be moments whereby... I mean, we, don't, we might not talk for a good few hours and we're just in our own little worlds. Is it the same on the tandem or because you're so close? You know, are you maybe listening to different things in your headphones? Have you, <laughs> how's the pa- how does the time pass on that tandem? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it can do. And you can, you know, just have periods of time where you're completely zoned out in your own little world. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I suppose that's, uh, yeah, just a way to get through the day sometimes. Steve's never been one to like listen to music or podcast. He's never kind of got into that. Um, and yeah, we kind of tried it a few times on quieter roads and he just doesn't. But I kind of set myself, I wouldn't listen any to anything until we got to um, 50 to 60 miles every day. So I wasn't like plugged into stuff all the time. I was like, I'm not going to just be, you know, I, w- I want to kind of experience this. But then, yeah, I, I would listen to stuff on the back and then he'd, he'd tweak as well because I'd go quiet and he'd be like, you listening to something and I'm like maybe (laughs) but yeah sometimes you just need something to spur you along and keep going Mm. the the one time that we were cycling in Portugal and it was so hot and this road was just never ending and I I honestly I had never listened to anything before on the bike and I was like I need some tunes to keep me going this is soul destroying (laughs) Yeah, well, certainly we have used music on it as speaker before, but that tends to have been like on previous rides, like in the middle of the night when we need to stay awake, you know, like all night audaxes and stuff. But luckily we didn't quite get to that level on this ride. That was quite intentional. We were never quite that exhausted. Phew, phew. So how would you go from then normal day job? Uh, you you were working as a as a veterinary sur- surgeon, weren't you? I, I'm not sure what Stevie does, but both have normal jobs. To then s- taking all that time out and doing something entirely different. <laughs> it was a crazy time, and it felt like kind of a crazy kind of run up to it as well. Trying to 
get all the planning in place, everything. And it felt like I was kind of living two lives at one point. You know, I'd kind of got my veterinary work and like training and all the all the stuff that went for the around the world. Steve, um, it was he was a mechanical engineer, but he actually kind of packed that in before we went. So he was kind of house husband and helping get everything ready. And yeah, so it was just completely surreal in in the kind of lead up. And you know, you'd go from like the day job one minute to next minute, kind of filming something for the local news and. Yeah, um, I can't quite believe we got to the start line, to be honest with you. Just, I mean, it must take such a ridiculous amount of planning. Yeah, I mean, the routing took forever. And then there was huge chunks of the route we ended up not using. But yeah, trying to, you know, check things and, um, you know, make sure roads were rideable. I was on like Google Earth and Google Satellite zooming right in to try and figure out what road surface would be like um and then yeah just kind of all the logistics in terms of getting all the kit in the right place and you know what we are going to need to pick up where um but there's only so much we could plan ahead and it's not like we could plan out where we're going to stay every night because we couldn't predict how far we'd ride every day because there was so much variability in that dependent on all sorts of factors you know weather road conditions um just everything really so yeah there was a lot of admin on the road as well what was your uh, like your longest day and what was your shortest day? Oh, um, what, what distance wise, <laughs> our longest day we did um, 157 miles in the plains um, in the prairies in Canada, but that wasn't our longest day because we had an immense tailwind. Um, in fact, probably one of the longest days in terms of, of cycling was um in fact the day before we got to back to the Brandenburg Gate in Berlin to you know finish the ride um where we had a problem with the rear wheel bearings um so we got we cycled to about five o'clock at night by that point it's pitch dark anyway um and at that point we thought it was over we thought we were going to be later than you know we'd, we'd set ourselves this target 180 days and we thought we were going to miss that and be late and the back wheel was broken and somehow just managed to scrape it together we managed to get the wheel to a bike shop get everything sorted we got back I think 8 p.m that evening with the wheel all sorted put that back in the bike and we rode for like another 40 miles that night um went to bed and got up the next day to start cycling again at four in the morning so that was just that was a crazy day and without everything just falling into place then we'd have kind of missed our our kind of target as it were um and then yeah I mean some of the shortest day we had you know little hops to airports but we had one day in the back end of Australia where um we did 40 miles but it was 40 miles into a headwind and we were trying to get Steve to a doctor because um he was suffering with um a parasitic infection he picked up in india so that was the longest 40 miles of the whole trip so yeah it's it's a really weird thing some days you'd you know time and and speed just seemed kind of quite elastic at times some days you'd be flying and some days you just couldn't get anywhere and did you camp most nights or did you stay in a lot of hotels and b&b's <laughs> no we didn't camp anywhere near as much as we wanted to we kind of knew we wouldn't be camping in Asia just because accommodation is so cheap and it's not really practical um we did a bit in Europe and a bit in Australia but by the time we got to the end of Australia um 
A, we were getting more and more bad weather, and I think we were just so exhausted. Um, and also, Stevie was suffering from pretty bad saddle sores. So, kind of from the hygiene aspect, we needed to get somewhere where we could get clean every night. So, yeah, we um, kind of yeah ended up in motels all the way through Canada and back up through Europe as well. Were there some days and you were wishing, oh, I wish we weren't doing this? <laughs> I think there was a point every day where it was just like, oh, my goodness. Um, it was, yeah, it was really, really tough. And I think Steve in particular, because he suffered more problems than me at the back end of the trip, was really questioning what we were doing. But I think we never really gave up. And even though it was, you know, it was really t- – and we could have taken longer as well. That was the thing. We could have still set mm. – um a new mix record and taking a significant amount of time longer but we were just so determined to kind of do our best and set a really hard record that um we just kept pushing for the 180 days no matter what happened and it was kind of like every time we overcame one obstacle the next time something came it came up it is a bit like well we've already overcome all this we might as well just keep going at this point um and I think there was a big element of wanting it over as soon as possible too (laughs) Would, are there chunks that you would actually love to go back to and be able to take it in rather than whizzing through? Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, there was, um, you know, <laughs> nice sandy beaches in Thailand that we flew past and the whole of New Zealand. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, we just it just felt like we missed New Zealand. You know, we saw a lot of the scenery, but um, yeah, you, you know, it's obviously such a wonderful place to visit. and We missed loads of that. Um and places in Canada too, you know, places in the Rockies and even Europe. Um, I think, you know, one of our, our big things is we'd love to go and do a lot of Europe a lot slower and, you know, take the time and stop at the cafes and go out for dinner. And yeah, so there was a lot of the world we didn't see. But then at the same time, we got a very real view of the world, I think. So we, we did, you know, see it at the speed of a bicycle. And I think this one's an interesting point because... When we rode, um, we did Italy and we did it in 11 days and, you know, you're sort of whizzing through Rome and passing through Naples, which might be a good thing. But, you know, you're whizzing past Lake Garda, you're not getting in Lake Garda for a a dip. But I felt because you'd say, well, but you missed everything. And you're like, no, you got this most incredible idea of what the country is like and how different it is and all the different food along the way and okay you might not have seen anywhere in detail but you might all be able to tick off the the tourist sites of Rome but you probably wouldn't go into a really local pub or bar sorry you know in in the middle of nowhere in the hills in a remote part of Italy where there's just all these old guys and then you're just like what the heck so it's a very different (laughs) way of traveling isn't it yeah definitely and I think yeah and you know having to because you know we couldn't afford to go to you know touristy restaurants and things like that we had a a budget stick to so we'd be going to like the local supermarkets and we'd stop at the petrol stations and um you would see the places that people locally were really going. So, yeah, I think even though it, that didn't give us kind of the most, you know, stunning or maybe interesting experiences in some senses, it actually was very authentic. And, you know, you really did get a feel for 
moving through places as well seeing how things changed and communities changed and how different people lived uh, it was it yeah you really did get kind of a good feel for for I think the true culture of a lot of places the other thing that I think is quite interesting with going pretty fast through somewhere is this idea of a challenge versus I don't know, maybe doing 30 mile, thirty to 40 miles a day and taking it leisurely. What is it about wanting and needing and thriving off that challenge element of it all? <laughs> oh, it's so hard to explain though, isn't it? I mean, people, yeah, and literally people still go, what were you doing? Why did you go so fast? You've missed everything. You know, why didn't you? And, you know, we've, there's been some posts on random websites and there's people really upset with us for having missed, you know, the experiences. But, yeah, it's so hard to describe that aspect of a challenge, isn't it? And, you know, as well, we, we could have gone a lot slower and still got the record, as I mentioned. So, but it was this making it a hard record. We, yes, yeah, somebody probably will go out and try and beat it at some point, And that's great. Good on them. Have a shot at it. By all means, but it is a blooming hard record now, and we are so proud of that. That, yeah, we um, that's what, and we wanted to, I think, show what we were capable of. And we're both quite adamant we never want to do anything like this again. This is kind of like our Everest, it's not like we're going to go chasing the next and the next and the next record. But yeah, for this to be, you know, the one thing we do in our lives is that, you know, we, we're both kind of, I think very well suited to this challenge you know as a couple and as individual riders we both got very different skill sets but that meant that we had a chance at this um why not take that opportunity make the most of it and why not see how far and how fast you can go but yeah it's, it's such a strange one to explain some people get it I think and some people don't <laughs> yeah I'd, I'd agree with that I definitely agree with that what about Laura the actual so you're going for this Guinness World Record and Guinness have got very strict um, like protocol as to you have to meet it in order to get a record. So actually, because in my head, I think around the world, I mean, you literally have to cycle pretty much everywhere around the world or like a constant line. But your map, it doesn't look like that. It's almost like a few long squiggles across various parts of the globe I don't mean that in a a rude way but you know what I mean (laughs) so yeah I mean we're dictated by Guinness as to the rules and then there's obviously complications with places where you you can and can't ride mostly for political reasons but um, so yeah if you look at the kind of solo world record holders Jenny Gray and Mark Beaumont this probably looks a lot more directional because they were able to go through Russia um admittedly we had decided not to go through Russia before it became yeah so politically unstable but um yeah so we to abide by Guinness rules you have to ride a minimum of 18,000 miles you have to travel in the same direction so we were traveling east and we couldn't travel too far west otherwise that'd be discounted um you have to pass through two antipodal points um, which points kind of opposite sides of the globe. So ours were um, Wellington in New Zealand and um, Alheros near Madrid in Spain. Um, and then there's kind of various other rules as well, you know, about kind of finishing the legs of the route and riding the same bicycle and things like that too. But yeah, so that kind of gives you the bare bones of the structure to the route, but they don't dictate that you have to go through, follow a certain route or go through so many countries or anything like that there is kind of a degree of flexibility to it, I think, because of 
yeah the nature of trying to plan something like this and I think it's just getting trickier and trickier at the moment um particularly around kind of the Middle Eastern bit of Asia that there's only so many places you can go through we took it all we brought them to our land an endless night ember hot and icy cold the rage of the earth we made this curse carved it in the blood on our backs we did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Was, it, was there anywhere that wasn't on those on the route that you did and clearly would have been out of the way, but you'd actually have thought, oh, I would have liked to have. That would have been quite cool having that in our, in our route around the world. I don't think so on the basis that we just wanted to get there as quickly as possible. I think if there was anywhere like that, we'd kind of more like be like, oh, we'll just go back and do that, you know, a a different time. And, you know, you hear amazing things about um, cycle touring in like Mongolia or Colombia and and places like that. But I I, I think we just wanted, you know, to be as directional and fast as possible. And I suppose the only change we you know could have well we would did consider was that initially we we wanted to go through Azerbaijan get the Caspian Sea ferry and go through Kazakhstan um uh Uzbekistan and Kyrgyzstan but the Azerbaijani land borders were still closed by the time we got to Georgia so we had to change our plans and we couldn't get a flight in time to get to Kazakhstan so we ended up spending longer in India instead um which at the time we were like well that's fine that's the way it goes but India was such a challenging place to ride and just we've never been anywhere like that before so it's so different for us culturally it just had a a range of massive challenges for it was just seemed like one thing after the other for us to overcome whereas there's still a part of me that wondered oh if we'd held out and tried to get flights to Kazakhstan would that have been different or easier or you know would it have been hard but a different kind of hard so it's Mm. you know We'll never know. But yeah, I suppose that's the only kind of place where I, I kind of wonder if how it would have gone differently if we'd done that. You, you, you're giving me itchy feet again, Laura. This is bad interviewing you. Um, how much training <laughs> did you actually do? <laughs> what was the training like for it? Um, so we're, we've never been very structured in terms of training. Um, yeah, so I kind of got a rough idea of how many rides I want to do a week and long ride, short rides, but it's not like um, X miles or, yeah, we're quite kind of gung-ho in, in that respect. So, yeah, we're riding quite a bit, but um, I think kind of the biggest kind of training aspect for us, because the fitness is obviously important, but we're kind of used to building that up on a seasonal basis from our order acting. So we just wanted to kind of make sure as fit as we could be, but the logistics as well was massive. So 
we did a massive um, kind of recce ride, which we called the Around the Wales ride. So as opposed to Around the World, we started off with Around Wales. Um, and we rode the circumference of Wales in about eight days. Um, um, we we didn't have our new tandem by that point. We took our existing one, but we took all the kit we were planning to take. So we kind of acted out as we would for the Around the World to trial everything, to trial staying you know, to trial camping, staying in hotels, warm showers, all these different things to basically get a feel for how things were going to go, what we needed, what we didn't, and to just shake out any kind of, um, you know, quirks in the plan and things like that. And did, um, like, do you, do you find on something like this that, yes, you need to go in there with a certain amount of fitness, but actually the fitness comes as, uh, you know, as the days pass, you're getting fitter and fitter and fitter? Um, we've done trips like that before, but I think with this one, I think we're pretty much there fitness wise. And because it's a tandem and because it's heavy, there's only, it's like, there's only so fit you can be. So, you know, you're not racing, you're not like, well, apart from when it's ridiculously hot in Asia, you're not like dripping with sweat out of breath, your heart rates like through the roof all the time. It's, it's long, steady distance. So, you know, we're riding for 10 hours a day and that's got to be sustainable so yeah I think our fitness was pretty kind of steady throughout um and it was just trying to make sure we had got the time for recovery maximizing recovery you know keeping nutrition good keeping healthy and things like that that were kind of almost more important um and that kind of health and fitness came into it a lot more I think you said that you visited a lot of garages what was the (laughs) go-to <laughs> oh my goodness well it's different in every country that's the thing and yeah we really missed it in India that they don't really have that kind of setup and yeah you can get packets of crisps and things like that and then we got to Southeast Asia and they had 7-Elevens and they have everything <laughs> everything you can microwave as well there's like all the junk food so that was a delight um Australia is all about the pies oh my goodness just so many. and then of course we hit like McDonald's as well so all the all the fast food came back in then too um we ate a lot of junk um and then Canada yeah there was a lot of Cheney um shops there so Subway's Tim Hortons McDonald's all of that too so yeah we we had a lot of kind of <laughs> you know sandwiches sub rolls soups and things like that on the road too but I guess it's quick though isn't it right yeah, definitely. So yeah, we need to be in and out. We can't be um, sitting down for, you know, in India, you know, you had to sit down for a meal sometimes. There was just no way around it. But yeah, I mean, we had a lot of um, pavement picnics and sat out in kind of garage four courts just eating something really quick. But um, a lot of places in Canada had kind of like, even if it was a little garage, had somewhere to sit in, which is great because it was warm. Um but yeah, you know, kind of time was of the essence. And then um, in Canada and later on in the trip, particularly, a lot of the hotels would have a microwave. So, you know, we would just get in and close the door. We'd get food and just stay in and, you know, we wouldn't want to get out of the room again. <laughs> How did you deal with that diversity of temperatures? Because you must have had really, really hot weather in certain places. And then, you know, you finished in winter in in Berlin and Canada would have been winter as well no yeah and Canada got really cold at one point it was it we had Mm -hmm. this unexpected cold snap and it was below like minus 10 degrees it was so so cold um 
that we had kind of pitched. So we'd pitched, obviously, when we arrived at various places. Um, it was a bit colder than expected when we got to Australia, even, especially compared to being in Asia for so long. And there we almost caught out a bit because we didn't have that much warm clothing there. We had a little bit and we always had, you know, a bit of a you know backup level of, of warm clothes just in case anything horrible happened. Um, but yeah, Australia was chilly to begin with. But then in New Zealand um, and in Canada, we picked up more warm clothes along the way. So, okay. you know, we picked up kind of extra layers and um hats, gloves, things like that. We seem to be continually buying Stevie gloves, though, because his circulation is rubbish. So just trying to keep his hands warm enough was a real, really big challenge. Um, he had some down booties for camping, and he ended up wearing those over his hands in Canada just to try and keep them warm enough. It was it was very extreme. <laughs> I, I feel his pain with the Reynards, and um, hand warmers were the only, so far, the only thing I found that actually work inside gloves but that's it yeah and we tried those and we tried like stick on like warm patches that people use for like back pain we tried all sorts of things to keep his hands warm um but yeah the the down booties were were up there (laughs) so you do something absolutely massive like this with your husband what laura would your top tips be for actually doing that with with your other half um I think you both have to be committed like almost independently of the other person you can't be doing it for them or because they want to do it you have to want to do it you know in your own right and there were there was places where um yeah, I think kind of the back end of India and, and Thailand, Stevie had a bit of sickness, wasn't doing too well. And he'd get grumpy and go, oh, this was all your idea. I don't even want to be here. Da, 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 da. Um, and then he had an accident in Malaysia and I'd got some some bruised ribs. And um, I, I was just like, oh, no, I, I don't know if I you know, can get back on the bike. And he's going, oh, we might be able to get a few, a few miles in later on today. And I was like, aha, hang on. <laughs> this is not all me then. You know, there is an element of you pushing this as well. And yeah, I think you've got to have a lot of understanding too. And you've got to, um, if you've got into kind of ultra endurance, you learn quite quickly, you get peaks and troughs. And just because you feel absolutely diabolical and like you can't go on for another step, another cycle, you know, revolution that, if you can wait that out, it will get better at some point. And I think if you understand that, you can understand another person can be going through that as well. Um, and that if they are, you know, absolutely rock bottom too, that if you know how they work, you can kind of realise that actually, yeah, if we wait this out and if we can make the situation a bit better, we can probably continue. I want to pick up on that. So, yeah, if you're doing it in a pair and managing those moods and you know one day you might be super chatty and the next day you might be really really quiet and how how do you how do you support each other through that yeah and it is true and I think you've you've got to know like knowing the other person being you know married couple makes a big difference but I know a lot of pairs riders are, are you know just very good friends but I think you've got to know how different people respond to different situations. <laughs> Steve will know that I am the ultimate sulker. <laughs> so if I've gone quiet on the bat, there'll be something up. And I think he, he kind of, he's kind of got a sixth sense of how long to leave me to it and how long to kind of prod me and find out what it is and, and iron it out. Um, but yeah, it is a challenge. And I think 
you you have to really not take things personally and it's it's you've got to realize if you're pushing that hard that you're pushing people to their limits and that yeah you know it's it's not always you know if somebody's upset if I'm being sulky it's not directed necessarily at Steve and vice versa it is just the nature of the challenge and yeah you've got to take a bit on on the chin and just kind of work with it work around it and if you both set on the goal you you realize that unless you get along unless you sort things out nobody's going anywhere and from a safety aspect as well you know sometimes you've just got to knuckle down and sort things out because otherwise yeah you can end up in a, a very tricky situation that is a absolutely fine answer i'm doing pan celtic with a friend in the summer <laughs> so needed to hear that thank you <laughs> Yeah. Oh, wow. Good luck. I think pairs riding is really challenging. And I think ultra ultra endurance is now, I think that's coming through now with these pairs challenges. I think they're really up in their game. And uh, admittedly, I was following the Transcon from the back of the bike in India and listening to the pairs teams then. And there was a real battle between the two of them this year. And I think it's becoming more recognised that that's not an easy option just because you're riding with somebody else. I think it is a real, real challenge. So yeah, good luck to you. Thank you. Uh, what about then? Let's just flip this slightly because I'm very excited about doing a Pan Celtic as a pair. What are the upsides of doing something with someone else, whether that's a friend, whether that's a partner? Come on, bring us a positivity, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> no, you'll be grand. I can't wait to not watch. Um, yeah, there are loads of benefits too. And right from little tiny things like one of you can stay with the bike slash bikes and the other can go into the shop. And just that little, and it sounds really daft, but those little things do make a big difference. Or, you know, one of you can be checking into the hotel, the other one can start getting the bags off the bike. So the division of labour is great. Um, and particularly if you've got different strengths as well, if you've trained with that person, you've got to know that person, you can divide the the labour up and you can work to people's strengths. So I'm I'm the mass organiser, planner, you know, logistics. So I was able to take on all of that. And then because, you know, in this instance, Stevie's driving the bike, steering the bike, he was more mentally drained by that at the end of the day. So the fact that I could take on, you know, anything else that wasn't, you know, bicycle related made a, made a massive difference. And therefore it made the division of labour you know a lot fairer than if I just left everything to him um so I think that makes a big difference too and you know just from a a morale point of view a safety point of view having somebody else to to chat to um and a shared experience it's you know it's such an amazing thing to have somebody go through something like that with you you know even any other challenge like the Pentaltic you know whether you get round or not whatever happens on that ride you two will always have that experience together and it will be absolutely amazing no matter what happens. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Uh, So, Laura, you said that you don't ever want to do anything like this again. You have come back to the UK. What has it been like trying to get back to a normal life after living effectively out of a bag traveling the world on a bike for for such an extended period of time and having that huge goal it has been very weird um coming back right before christmas was mind-blowing and that was a real struggle actually to try and get your head around 
Christmas and like all this stuff and all these people and all this, you know, all these things going on when you've just been, life's been so simple. All you've had to do is get on a bike, ride, eat and sleep. And then suddenly it's like, oh my God, Christmas cards, Christmas presents, going out for drinks. What is all this? So that was that was very weird. Um, it has been a delight to have different clothes to wear. Um, it has been wonderful to sleep in the same bed for more than one night in a row. Um, and, you know, we, we have been exhausted. I think, you know, particularly Steve, as I mentioned, he did have it very rough at the back end of the ride. So it almost feels like we're still kind of catching up from that. But having said that, I think, you know, we we won't do anything, you know, record level again or for this duration. But we're starting to get back into, you know, not so much the cycling, but, you know, we're into um, long distance walking. I do a bit of running and things like that, too. So I think we'll start to get on board with shorter challenges and, you know, get back on the Audax scene and things like that again in the future. But yeah, I think there's a little bit of waiting for the dust to settle first. Have you been back on the tandem at all yet? No, she's still being fixed up. So the wonderful folk at the tandem shop in Telford uh, have got her at the moment and she's had a full overhaul and, um, yeah, she's going to be coming back as, as good as new, maybe as soon as the next few weeks. So then we'll have a real dilemma because it'll be like, oh, no, when are we actually going to be brave enough to get back on her? But um, yeah, we've been quite quite relieved to have a break. Um, I must admit, and yeah, we've, we've you know been out on solo bikes a bit. But it's it's quite nice actually to be able to go out and do different things as well. Um, yeah, it was a great experience to ride that far on the tandem. But yeah, it's nice to be able to kind of follow with other interests as well. Are you missing having that focus and that goal? Um. Not really, because <laughs> I think even before, so I was very aware that um, after big challenges like this, people often do, and it, it can mm. be a, a very real issue. So people talk about post-adventure blues, things like that. So I already had it in my mind that I would have something smaller, potentially, but I would already have, you know, the next thing to, to go to. So um <laughs> without giving too much away my my current um adventure is is teaching myself how to swim properly and yeah maybe building on my swimming which then might link into running and cycling which you could probably see where that's going um, come on you want to try on podcast for a reason (laughs) (laughs) so we'll see see what happens there I'm, i'm not very fast at any of these things and um yeah i have no technique for swimming whatsoever so um but it's it's something else to, you know, it's something else to focus on. And I think that was important that I was like, OK, I can go back and I can try something completely different. Um, and the same for Steve as well. We're, we're looking at um, doing some hiking this summer. So we're going to um, hopefully hike coast to coast. And that's uh, another new focus. So, yeah, we're, we're being quite careful not to set any stupid goals or unrealistic goals. And as I say, you know, we don't want to do something we don't want to be pushing for the next record. We don't want to go, Oh, we've done this now. What's bigger, what's better. What I think it's more about having something different, but I think for both of us having something in the pipeline is, is important. And I think we'll always be like that. I think that's, you know, one of those things that we just need to accept that there's always going to be a crazy plan down the road. 
I like that attitude, Laura. I do like that attitude. And it's a bit like, you know, if you've <laughs> been on holiday and then you come back, actually, it's quite good having something else booked in. Because like you say, you've always got that thing to look forward to as much as anything. Yeah. And this is, I, I am the ultimate plan. So if I, uh, you know, if I came back and I had an empty diary, there is nothing more terrifying to me than having a, a blank way forward. I've, I have to have things. And I, I've, I've always been like that. So I knew that I would um, be wanting to, you know, start factoring stuff in. And yeah, I mean, that's that's how these things happen sometimes. So yeah, I think it's it's quite exciting to see what happens next. And there is as well all the follow up from this as well so you know doing podcasts like this and interviews um I've got a whole heap of kind of GoPro footage um I, I could start putting together I'm starting to put together little talks and yes I've started writing the book as well so we'll see how that goes oh brilliant and do you have yet Laura the certificate from from Guinness World Records no, so that can take 12 weeks in the processing and um, the evidence that you need to submit for it is pretty epic as well. So it's not all only like the GPX track in a specific format that needed to be kind of gone through and checked day by day to get all the start and finish times. Um, there's about three and a half hours of video evidence, there's photos, there's witness statements from all around the world, there's, you know, bank statements, receipts so much stuff so yeah um we're we're yet to be properly verified but we're pretty hopeful that we've we've you know everything's in order um we've been you know pretty adamant about collecting all the evidence and everything as well so hopefully that should be coming through in the spring could you imagine being the person on the other end having to check through all of that uh, gps data <laughs> yeah i know they well that's why they get us to process it so it gets kind of simplified to go on to google earth in quite a neat way but the video evidence one thing at one point they um i think it was a generic kind of instruction for video evidence records and they said something like they wanted two minutes every hour and then i had to point out to them for us this would be at least a week of solid watching a film and they were like Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe maybe we could just, you know, reduce that a bit. So yeah, um, I've got it down to three and a half hours, which I think is a, a lot more reasonable. <laughs> That's a bit new editing skills right there, Laura. Um, Laura, it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I feel very inspired, not necessarily to go around the world on a tandem with Rich, but you know, never say never. Uh, <laughs> and good luck with your swimming. Oh, thank you. Yeah, good luck with the Pan-Celtic. I can't wait to see how that goes. Thanks. Thank you. Cool. Cheers, Laura. <laughs> no worries. Oh, and by the way, should just add, since doing the interview, they have indeed found out that they have got that official Guinness World Record. So well done, Laura and Stevie. Thanks for listening to the Inside Try Show. If you want to get in touch or get a little bit more information on anything, then reach out to Helen on Instagram or Twitter at Inside Try Show. Thank you for getting in touch. Keith, you said... I got to mix it up on the bike. Woohoo! In a dark hotel dungeon of pain. Next time I'm going to take more care on the slopes. Nia, you said I did a 6am negative split run round and round the estate. It's a one and a half mile loop. That was before kids' footy games. Times two. Nia, what I take, fair play. Jessica, your weekend sounded absolutely tip top because it involved homemade pizzas, red wine and fire. This is generally what we do on a Friday night. <laughs> so you said we well, got to walk in the dark, walking hill reps to get the niggly knee working again. 
again and I hope Jessica it is working again soon you said I watched my daughter across country I had a walk in the sun and a top knot I can't say that top notch turbo session David you simply said quadzilla Hashtag four and four. Simon, you said an hour at Turbo on Saturday and the recce of a duathlon on Sunday, followed by, get this, an hour glute strength and conditioning. An hour? I don't think I'd be able to walk after an hour just focusing on my glutes. Keith, you also said more treadmill purgatory. That's probably after the, what, the dungeon thing. Tash, you said I did a stock take and I packed tons of orders. And Kay, you are training for the aqua bike champs. So really, really good luck for that. As for me, well, Rich and I had our first ride outside together for what must be ages. We did 50k. It was very hilly. Lots of Welsh place names that I still can't pronounce, but very quiet roads. It's very, very nice. And then we celebrated with a sausage roll from Gerard's. If you live in the area, you know what I'm on about. Delicious. But yeah, it was a really good ride. And I actually felt really, I felt good because I've just had so many rides, I guess, what, two years ago when I felt horrendous with crappy blood and the anemia stuff. So yeah, that was a real, real positive and a real positive for me to build on heading into the pan-Celtic stuff, all of that later this year. Other news from me, I might have had a bit of a run-in. Not my style, right? Really not my style. But if you are a regular listener, you might remember about my swimming issue in the public lane. Well, anyway, didn't go down well. That's all I'm saying. Did not go down well. And I tend to do two public swims a week. And then I've started going back to the tri-club swimming session. And that's twice in a row now that I've been. So that's, you know, I'm basically a regular. Um, But no, it's all going well. And the really, 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 really good thing is that I think I had two people behind me in in the fast lane last time. And that is a first. That is a massive first. So yes, I am finding it all hugely, hugely motivating on the swimming front at the moment, apart from apart from the bad moment, which I better not talk more about. Anyway, right, if you do like what I do, you want to support the podcast, you want to get involved with that chance of winning a pair of form swim goggles, you can sign up to be a patron, patreon.com forward slash inside try show. But this week's episode has been sponsored by prescottsportswear.com. Use the code InsideTry15. It's valid until the end of March 2023, and it's one use per customer on everything apart from heel jerseys. Form Swim are also supporting the podcast at the moment to help keep you motivated as you swim. For a 15% discount, head over to formswim.com forward slash pages forward slash Inside Try Show. All the details are in the show notes. That is it for another week. Have a cracking week of training. Happy racing if you're doing that at the weekend. Keep up the good work and we'll catch up again next week. Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.